We read from the word of God in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. We're thinking tonight about prayer. I'd like to read um, a meditation, or a reading anyway, I'm not quite sure how to describe it, entitled, What Prayer Is. It's a description of all the different ways in which prayer can work. Prayer is listening. It's being still to know that God is God. Prayer is contemplation. It's thinking about God in long periods of silence. It's deep thought and meditation with expectation. Prayer is a fleeting thought directed to God. Prayer is a deep unuttered desire within a human heart. Prayer is talking to God. It's a child talking to a loving Heavenly Father. Prayer is an instantaneous cry for help. Prayer is conversation. It's both talking and listening. Prayer is communion. It's a meeting between two who are in love. The eternal source of all agape love reaches down to touch a human being who makes an inadequate response. Prayer is the faltering words of a person with no faith, probing for God of whom she is uncertain in a search for reality and meaning. Prayer is a grain of faith moving a person to ask and expect miracles. Prayer is breathing spiritually, 
It's the Christian's vital breath, the Christian's native air. Prayer is affirming God. It's bringing delight to God, making him glad. Prayer is saying, I'm sorry to God. And asking for grace not to repeat our failure. Prayer is asking forgiveness for God's sake as well as for our sake. Prayer is bringing the big challenges and responsibilities of life to God and receiving his divine enablement. Prayer is having faith to bring the mundane non-events, the routine small things of life to God, believing he cares for the insignificant lilies of the field, the birds of the air, and how much more for us. Prayer is both asking and receiving. Prayer is bringing to God my deep concern for those who are near to me, my family, my close circle of friends. Prayer is acknowledging my membership in this global village and praying as specifically as I can for my brothers and sisters in this world who are unknown to me by name. Prayer is laying before God a concern for our enemies. Prayer is the way to inner serenity. It's the calm found in the eye of the hurricane, not an escape from the turmoils of life. Prayer is where I meet my risen Lord, where I learn to know him and the power of his resurrection. Prayer is the child's simplest form of communication with God. And prayer is an art which none of the saints felt they had fully mastered. Prayer is praying when we don't feel like talking with God because we believe he is always loving us, always listening, always wanting to bless us with his grace and love. Prayer is a family conversing with God. It is the deepest of human fellowship. Prayer is keeping my contribution short when praying with others to help their concentration and giving them a fair share of the conversation with our Father. Prayer is honesty and openness with God, both when I pray in solitude and when I pray with others. Prayer is 
work. Prayer is believing the Holy Spirit within us is actually praying for us in those agonising tongues which never find words. And prayer is where our hope is confirmed, our faith strengthened, our love enriched, our authenticity increased, and a depth and sensitivity given to life which can be found nowhere else. Whatever we do, let's do it with prayer. In, in Youth After Church, we are thinking about prayer, what prayer is, why it's important, and how we pray. Because sometimes it's a really difficult thing to do. And tonight I thought it would be a good idea to talk about prayer here too. And prayer is such a huge topic. Prayer is something we should all do on a regular basis, but just sometimes it's not as quite straightforward as that. I saw something the other day that said, prayer, the world's greatest wireless connection. I really like that because apart from anything else in this day and age, a wireless connection is something that we can all relate to. We all rely on wireless connections, whether we realise it or use them directly ourselves or not. But I like it too because a wireless connection, you upload things, you download things, it's a two-way thing. It's not a perfect analogy, let's just put that out there. But it's about communication. Communication is more than a one-way thing. We pray, but unfortunately we don't always recognise how God speaks to us. He talks to us through the everyday things and through the Holy Spirit in us. It's a still small voice that directs our paths every day. The communication lines are open, but we need to listen. So let me ask you, how do you see prayer? Now, I know for a fact you've heard these uh, little illustrations I'm going to use, because Claire used them a few weeks ago, but I was thinking about them, and they help us think about different aspects of prayer. There are ways that children see prayer. The first one, dear God, please send me a pony. I've never asked for anything before. You can look it up. And that's the shopping list style of prayer, the stuff that we want that we go to God with. Dear God, if you give me a genie like Aladdin, I'll give you anything you want except my money or my chess set. Sometimes we bargain with God, don't we? I promise I'll do this, that, or the next thing if you just give me whatever it is that you're asking for. Dear God, did you really mean that do unto others as they do unto you? Because if you did, then I'm going to really sort out my brother. There's a question in prayer, wanting to know God's will in a situation that you face. Dear God, are you really invisible or is it just a trick? There's a prayers where we want to find out more about God. Dear God, the bad people laughed at Noah. You made an ark on dry land. You made an ark on dry land, um, and people called Noah a fool. But he was smart. He stuck with you. That's what I would do. 
There are prayers where we promise all sorts of things to God, whether we can keep those promises or not, but sincerely meaning them at the time. And finally, dear God, if you watch me in church on Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes. There are prayers where we just want to talk to God, where we just want to tell him about something or thank him for something or whatever it is we're trying to do. And some people see prayer like those different things. Some people see prayer simply as asking for stuff, like a shopping list for God. All of the things they'd like that would obviously make their lives better. Some of those people uh, don't believe the things they would ask for will ever happen. Others assume they always do. Some see it as a religious exercise, something that you just have to do. And some think that, or don't think rather, that it's actually in any way effective. Some, however, believe that it's actually more than a one-way thing. That praying to God is communicating with God and we should expect an answer when we pray. Not always get what we want because there's more to prayer than that, but to be guided by God and to grow to be more the people he wants us to be. So again, the question is, how do you see prayer? When I was thinking about what Bible passages we could use tonight, obviously the Bible is full of answers to prayer. The Bible clearly shows throughout its entirety different situations where God has answered the prayers of his people. Abraham prayed for a son and God gave him Isaac. The children of Israel prayed for deliverance from slavery in Egypt and God sent Moses. Moses prayed that they'd be able to get out of Egypt um, and they'd escape the uh, Egyptian army at the Red Sea. And God opened the sea to let them walk through. Hannah prayed for a child and God gave her Samuel. David asked for help many times and God provided. Solomon asked for wisdom and God gave it beyond measure. Jesus prayed and people were healed and raised from the dead. A dramatic storm was stopped dead in its tracks. Five loaves and two fish were turned into enough food to feed over 5,000 people. The, The apostles and the early church leaders prayed and people were healed Churches were strengthened, and the people of Christ found strength to face the daily toils of life. I could have chosen any of those passages, but I chose the Matthew reading that we heard earlier. Jesus makes an amazing statement about prayer. He was in Jerusalem. He'd cleansed the temple, saying it should be called a place of prayer. And then he was going back into the city, and we have that strange thing where he curses a fig tree. But then we have these verses. And let me remind you what the last two verses say. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. I wonder if you agree with that. I wonder if you're now sitting there thinking that's exactly my experience of prayer or not. Because let's be honest, that's a big, bold statement, isn't it? It tells us that prayer is powerful. Some people might say that answers to prayer can be coincidences, 
But as someone once said, it's amazing how many coincidences occur when you pray. Have you ever wondered what Jesus meant when he spoke those words in Matthew? Could it be that as Christians we can actually move mountains? Through the Bible we're told to be confident that our prayers will be answered. And Jesus many times lets us know that it was faith and belief that was the key to answered prayer. In Luke 11, we've got, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. John 14, 14. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And Matthew 21, 22. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So do you have faith to move a mountain? I've met many people who claim to have such a faith. I've also met people who look at those verses and wonder if they have any faith at all. Because they feel like that could never happen. And of course, mountains come in many forms in our lives, don't they? There isn't a day goes by where a new mountain might appear in our path. All of life can be quite difficult at times. Yes, there are good days when things go well and nothing goes wrong. But there are days when that's not the case. And we seem like the whole world is against us. And that's because life isn't fair. It's not fair when the mountain that stands before you is a mountain of sickness, when you've done everything in your best, everything you can to maintain your health. It's not fair when an innocent child suffers the loss of a parent. It's not fair when you work hard for a company for them to just not back you up if things go wrong. It's not fair when you fill in the blank. Life isn't fair. It's full of difficulties and troubles, but we shouldn't let it overcome us. We can have faith to move those mountains, and we do that by bringing it to God in prayer and handing it all over to him. I'm sure that the reason why a lot of people don't pray or at least don't pray as often as they should, is that they don't expect God to answer their prayers in the first place. They sit down and talk to themselves for a while, not expecting God to speak because they've perhaps never heard him do it before. They get tired of hearing their own voice, wondering if God's even listening, and then go back to doing the same things again. But here's the thing. Even when God doesn't seem to answer our prayers the way we might want him to, never think that he's not there or doesn't care. We need to shift our focus from the size of the mountain to our almighty mountain-moving God. I suspect that when David fought Goliath, his focus wasn't on the size of the giant in front of him. As the Bible says, he ran toward that giant. His focus was on God. There are many things I prayed for in life that haven't happened, but usually I can look back and think it's probably a good job. Or at least appreciate the circumstances that I'm in wouldn't have been if my prayers had been answered my way. There are things I've prayed about that for many years I'm still waiting for an answer on, and things that most certainly have been answered in very, very clear ways. But prayer doesn't always mean things will happen as we want them to or when we want them to. Sometimes God works in our lives to change our hearts. Sometimes he speaks to us and other people through our relationship with him. 
Sometimes we grow closer to him and put our faith in him that it's him and him alone who can help us move our mountain. I believe that God always answers prayer, but it's been said that if the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. But if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, God says go. Now I could stand up here and keep going on and on about prayer, but you'd be pleased to know that I'm not going to do that. Um, I've invited Teresa and Ray to just come and share their experiences of prayer. And I've asked them to just be totally honest and just say what they feel, um, examples of prayer in their life. So we'll have Teresa and then Ray. Thank you. Lots of people say, does prayer work? And I think that depends on what you mean by prayer. If by prayer we mean asking God to wave his magic wand and make everything pink fluffy clouds and a happy ending ever after, well, I would have to say, no, in that case, prayer doesn't work. That's not the God that I know. For me, prayer is three things, and I just want to speak briefly about them tonight. First of all, for me, it's about relationship. Secondly, it's a gift. And thirdly, it's mystery. So first of all, then, relationship. This week, I had a text from somebody. I'd been praying for her. She had an operation on Thursday quite a serious operation, and I had assured her I would be praying for her, and I had. And the next day, because she was only a day case, she came out of hospital, and she texted me just as I'd finished my time of prayer in the morning. And she said, everything's okay, I'm all right. And I replied and said, I am so thrilled, that's really lovely. And I put, I've just been chatting to God about you. And that made me think, chatting to God. Now, you might say, that's a bit irreverent, surely. A little bit more reverence and respect for the Almighty. And, of course, I do realize he's Almighty. I know he's a transcendent God. But I also know him as a personal, caring God, interested in each day and each happening in my life and, of course, in your life. I had the great privilege of having a lovely Christian dad. He was absolutely super. He was quite a quiet, gentle man, and we had a very good relationship. I could go to him. I knew I was unconditionally loved and accepted. I knew I could talk about anything. I knew he would listen. I knew that I, too, could listen to the wisdom that he might offer me. Not always did he offer wisdom. Sometimes it was obviously, from his point of view, up to me to work out my own answer. He wasn't going to hand it to me on a plate. And I thought, that's very much like, for me, my Heavenly Father. I'm unconditionally loved and accepted, all parts of me, and they're not all good, but I am unconditionally loved and accepted, and That means I can go to him at any time with anything, and he is with me throughout each day. So what I tend to do, 
Um, and in case you're thinking, I don a nun's habit and set the alarm for a four-hour stint of prayer every morning, I don't. I'm as normal as you are sitting there. I, when I wake, like to start my day with God. Now, in case you're thinking I'm some sort of saint, it doesn't happen always. Not every single day can I claim that. But generally, that's how I like to start my day. Spending time, perhaps talking to God, I find it very useful to start the day by thanking God. Even if I've woken up grumpy or not feeling particularly brilliant, if I can just say, thank you, Lord, for sometimes a good night's sleep, other times a reasonable night's sleep, but there must be something that I can thank God for at the start of my day. And that begins to set the tune. It begins to change me, perhaps where I might need to be changed. So the start of the day is important. I might sit quietly with God, as I used to with my dad. I might talk to him about people and situations that are on my mind, people perhaps that I've promised to pray for. And I do listening because I very often feel there is a prompting or a nudging. When you've perhaps gone through some of the things that are on your mind, you might well feel, hmm, I think, yeah, I think perhaps such and such I might need to follow through on today. There's just that nudging. I can't tell you God actually speaks to me in words, because he doesn't. Um, But he certainly does, uh, prompt by his Holy Spirit. And at the end of the day, I usually do an action replay when I'm going to bed, and look back over the day, and again say, thank you for this and that and the other. And very often, there's a sorry, because, you know, I mess up the same as we all do. And I apologize to God and say, please give me your strength for tomorrow. And during the day, there are arrow prayers. So that's how I perhaps go about things. But for me, prayer is a real gift. It's wonderful to know that I can talk to God at any time about anything, or I can sit quietly with him and listen. But prayer is a mystery, which was my other point. Some prayers are answered that I have offered over the years, and there are many that haven't been answered over the years. And I want to tell you about two Some years ago, I was asked to be a prayer guide in a week of guided prayer in Jersey. And it seemed to me right to say yes, I wanted to do it. So I said yes, I would do it. And there was only one rather large drawback that I didn't tell anybody about was the means of transport for me to get to Jersey was on an aeroplane. And I was terrified of flying. And I thought, well, God, you really are going to have to come through on this. I believe you want me to go as a prayer guide to Jersey but the boat's not possible, and so I have to ask you, you've got to come in here. Over the weeks leading up to this guide of prayer, absolutely nothing happened. I was still terrified of flying. And I thought, oh, my word, what's going to happen? I'm going to have to admit I can't get there, and they've got to find somebody else. And I was due to go on a Monday morning at 8 o'clock, and that was from Gatwick. And the evening before, we were in church, and... I thought, God, you still haven't come through on this, and I've got to be flying in 12 hours' time if I'm going. And there was a verse in, I think, the last hymn. I don't remember which one it was. I don't remember what the actual words were, but it was something like, and I will be with you, and you will fly above the clouds. I'm not kidding you. It really was that. And I was just astonished. I remember nudging Vincent, saying, look at that, look at that. And God had answered for me at the 11th hour. And I got on the plane the next morning, 
And I wasn't in the least bit anxious or scared or frightened, and it was a wonderful week. Uh, I now love flying, would like to fly more often. So that prayer was answered, but um, it was a bit close to the line. But then on a much sadder note and a much more puzzling note, and this is for me where mystery comes into prayer, um, my cousin's middle daughter, who was 38, had cancer, and we were all praying very much that the various operations she had, she would be healed. And it seemed that healing had taken place. She had two little girls. And then she was called back into hospital because they weren't satisfied with the work they had done. It had left her in a very difficult... She'd had it on her throat, and it had left her at that angle. And they said, you know, at your age, you can't go through the rest of your life going around at that angle. We'll straighten you up. So we prayed very, very much for Sam. We prayed very, very much for that operation... And the next morning, I got a phone call from my cousin to say Sam had died. The devastation was huge for all of us. Where was God? Why didn't he answer our prayers? Sam had got two little children. God, why? So for me, the mystery, and for many of you I know too, have experiences that are incomprehensible from a human perspective. We don't understand God is a mystery, but we do know that he is there for us. A verse that helped me enormously, not so much through that, but a a tragedy that we went through as a church some years back where three young men were killed in a car crash, and I really, really struggled with that. I poured my heart out to God. I was angry with God. I said, how could you let those boys die? And I wept and I ranted and I raved and I bellowed and I got it all out of my system. There wasn't an answer from God. Circumstances didn't change. But what did change was me because on the following Sunday I went up to Life Baptist Church where there was a huge banner, beautiful banner, on the wall of um, white snow-capped mountains and pine trees along the bottom, and the most wonderful lake. And it was the most gorgeous thing to look at. I didn't hear anything of the service. I couldn't participate. I was too distressed to do that. And I looked at this beautiful picture of peace and stillness, and the verse was Psalm 46, verse 10, which has been a very special verse to me since then. And it was, Be still and know that I am God. And it was me that had changed by the end of that service. The circumstances hadn't, but somehow, although I still didn't understand, it was still a mystery, somehow I was in a different place and God was still there. I think we sang a hymn this morning, didn't we, about God is still there in all the circumstances that we face. And so that's what I would offer you tonight. For me, prayer is relationship. It's mystery. But above all, I think it's a huge gift and one which I wouldn't be without each day of my walk with God. I'm pleased to know I've written this down because if I ramble, I'll be here for hours. Um, If there was a PhD in prayer, I'd just about be at a GCSE level, I think. So um, I don't stand here in any sense trying to 
offer you all the advice there is, but it's mainly the things that God has taught me through prayer. My prayer life would look like a kangaroo to you. You know, when I pray, I tend to jump from one thing to another. So my prayer life is a bit up and down. And when I became a Christian, I'd never attended church. So when, at age 18, I became a Christian, I had absolutely no idea at all about praying. So I just began with the Lord's Prayer and progressed from there. So what have I learnt? How has God changed things, changed me, as I have spent my up and down time with him? To meet time constraints, I've picked up on two occasions in my life where God has worked in ways that have left me in a state of wonder as he has convinced me of his presence. So my first passage is headed, God's faithfulness and my impatience. Like most families, mine has not been without its difficulties. Some years after my father died, my mum sold her house and arranged to use the proceeds to enable my brother to buy a larger property so she could live with him and his wife. Now eventually, my mum ended up staying with us. And as we only had a three-bedroomed house and two children, a boy and a girl, approaching their teenage years, we found ourselves in an impossible situation, really between a rock and a hard place. And we tried several avenues to reach a situation, a solution rather. Now I was in a high-pressure job at the time and my prayers, in my prayers I poured out my concerns to God because I really, really didn't know which way to turn. Nothing changed and it was beginning to affect my health, my work and my home life. And I might add it wasn't doing a lot for my faith and my health either. Then one day at work, a Christian colleague saw how fed up I was and asked me what was the matter. So I poured it all out to him. And he said, oh, he said, and he told me about a vicar friend who had recently had some sheltered flats built on spare church land. And he gave me the phone number. So I rang this guy up and arranged for the family to visit and look at the flat. And it was perfect for my mum. And she loved it. And being so close to where we lived and where Jenny worked, it was ideal. And my mum spent many happy years there. And that was a prayer that for me was answered out of absolute desperation. And what it taught me was that God is faithful. Sometimes we can't see that. Sometimes we don't understand that. But God is faithful. And then the second thing is, that God's comfort in fear brings new hope. And five years ago, I needed to have some major cardiac surgery. And at the last minute, my entry into hospital was delayed. And so a week or so later, I found myself in a hospital bed, gowned up and ready to go for surgery at 9 a.m. in the morning, or 9 a.m. And about 2 p.m., this surgeon appeared through the curtain and said, oh, we're very sorry, Mr. Shaw, but we've had to put your operation off for a further three days because of a bad situation in the operating theatre. So I had to wait. And the worst thing about waiting was seeing all these guys come back from their operations in in what I thought was a terrible state of health, but thankfully they all began to cover. So that made me extremely, extremely apprehensive, I might say. 
And I tried to pray, but I found it difficult. And I just asked God to help me to do the best I could. And the night came for surgery the next morning, and I was very apprehensive. Would there be another delay? Would I come through okay? And what about Jenny? And these and many other concerns... And as I lay there, I began to pray a jumble of words, my kangaroo praying again. Then slowly, a growing sense of God's presence right there, in spite of how I felt, came over me. It was a real assurance. But what God was saying to me was this. Look, it doesn't matter what happens, because live or die, you're in my hands. And I'd always thought I knew this, But no, it was not about thought or theory. No, it was a reality that I was experiencing. I was in his hands, whatever happened. I was at peace. I had no fear. And the nurse came to offer me a sedative to calm me down. But I was calm enough, praise God. Now, I could say a lot more, but time doesn't permit. So here are some words from the Psalms that have helped me, and my prayer is that they will help you. So from Psalm 94, verses 17 to 19, it says, Unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. When I said, my foot is slipping, your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When my anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. So God is a person who helps people whose feet are slipping and he draws you back to himself. And Psalm 93 says this, For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, Today it says, if only you would hear his voice. And that's what God wants us all to do, to hear his voice. Now you all thought I'd finish there, didn't you? But I'm in kangaroo mode again. And I originally intended to use three examples of prayer, but changed to two because of time considerations. Now we are back to three. And it all came about when, a couple of weeks ago, Andy Leach asked me to help organise the deacon's election in his absence. So it was once again with great apprehension that I began the task. And I must say that Andy gave me lots of help. However, I had many concerns. Who should I ask? Who would step forward for nomination? Would there be enough nominations to cover the vacancies? What if I forgot something vital? Because I'm a bit prone to do that at my age. I spent time talking with God about it and was prompted to think about Jesus choosing those who would become his disciples. What were their past histories? How were they fitted to do the job? And I thought about Peter, so independent and opinionated, but not a thinker. Or Matthew, who always worked matters to his own advantage. Or Thomas, who always wanted proof unless he could see things with his own eyes. As I considered this, I thought, what if we had to choose from these three? What I wondered would be our choice if we looked at how they were equipped to do the role. 
Then in my reading, I came upon these words, and they had a great impact on me. And it said this, God cares more about what we are becoming than who we once were. God cares more about who we are becoming than who we once were. And in that moment, my concerns faded, for I knew now that our choice was in God's hands. And if as a church we prayerfully consider the choices we will make at the church meeting, then good decisions will be made. So my prayer is that as the people of God in this place, we will never lose sight of the fact that God cares more about what we are becoming than who we once were. Thanks ever so much, Teresa and Ray. Thank you. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you always listen to us. We thank you that you're there whenever we need you. Father God, we thank you that we can turn to you whatever we're facing and know that you will be there for us and that you will answer us. Lord, help us to listen. Help us to be open to seeing how you answer prayer in our lives. And Lord, when we don't understand the answer, when things are a mystery, just help us to continue to have faith in you. Amen.